RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If my calculations are correct, I've landed in the right time at the right place. The time is 7 p.m. Pacific, the place, the internet, and this must be Mission Log Live. I'm Norman Lau. And I'm John Champion. Wait, wait, wait. Norman Lau, the new co-host of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast? Well, sir, I have been meaning to have a word with you. Well, several words, I hope. All the words, I hope. (laughs) But like myself, you, our viewers, and our listeners who are here with us live on Facebook and on YouTube, I'd like to... I'd like everyone who are hearing our voices right now to join the conversation. Click on the Zoom meeting link or use the one tap from your smartphone or call us at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code. All those details are available to you in the Facebook chat or on screen. And what indeed should we talk about? Well, it is my pleasure to welcome you, Norman, to the show. Uh, we did have a conversation with Rod that we released as uh, Mission Log Supplemental number 57, but now it's your turn. And when I say your turn, I mean all of you in the audience. Click the link, pick up the phone, call us, let us know what's on your mind. There's more than a little Star Trek news lately, so we can hash that out. And also, wherever you are, however you're reaching us, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for tuning in your subspace frequencies to this show tonight. You can find us live on facebook.com slash mission log pod and on youtube.com slash Roddenberry prod. If you're catching the video later, or if you're listening to the audio only podcast, we thank you for that too. Wherever you are, share the love by sharing the link, like it, post it, let your friends know what you're watching and to join us live, turn them on to Star Trek as we are turning you on to our love for Star Trek. Yes. Now, uh, Norman, since this is the first live show for you, uh, kind of a tradition here, what I absolutely love to do is take a look in the chat, see who's chatting with us uh, right off the bat. And I I love this, that uh, the very first one there, Chris Riker, yes, Riker, his real name, middle name, Will, uh, he says, sniff, sniff, new co-host smell. So he was on to you right away. It was the chili. (laughs) It was my chili. (laughs) He was just on to you right away. Uh, Ryan, (laughs) Ryan checking in saying, I'm curious to hear Norman's first Mission Log episode. And and yes, you will get to hear that this week on Thursday, the 23rd. He says, I'll miss Ken. Of course, we all will. But I'm excited to see where they go from here. Well, yeah, that's new beginnings, uh, a fresh voice here. Um, Oh, uh, Carlos says, does the new co-host come with bucket seats? So I guess referring to uh, Chris there uh, about that new co-host smell. I don't know, Norman, do you come with bucket seats? Well, I'm fully loaded. You know, bucket seats, air conditioning, power steering, power windows, uh, CD player. Not these finagly MP3 things or streaming from the Bluetooth and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Good old fashioned. Well, not even power windows. Just roll that window down like we used to do back in the old days. <laughs> like, like the settlers did. Uh, I'm, aging myself. Also, I'm aging myself in this show. <laughs> we also say hi here to uh, Paul, Andrew. Uh, Andrew says it's his first time making the live show. So welcome to you, wow, Andrew. You. Awesome. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, Ryan, Josh, Casey. Casey saying, Cooley better get here soon. You are not wrong, Casey. He better. Uh, there's, uh, Carlos, uh, we got David, uh, David says, hello, everyone, about two days left for us mere mortals to see Picard. (laughs) So yes, (laughs) we could talk about that. Hey, uh, mission log fan, number one, Meredith Stokes saying, Hey friends, it's been a while. Hey, back to you, Meredith. Hey, welcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, uh, we got Ron, we got Tate. We got uh, Kim, we got James, we got so many people, and so many people specifically saying hello to you. So uh, that's very exciting. Thank for you. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's been, it's been very interesting. You've gotten some interesting, uh, very thoughtful comments. And I, I shared with you a meme to me that somebody <laughs> created and posted in our Patreon. Do you, do you want to? At, at first, I didn't that? realize what I was watching or looking at. <laughs> so you sent me this text, and I was in the middle of work, and I look at it, and I'm like, I'm not sure what that means, but it's a Harry Potter meme, I guess. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I was very flattered by it because I'm now someone's future son's second name. Yes. Is that how that works? Yes. Yes. I, I think the, the thing was uh, our listener was planning on naming his firstborn Ken, 
but and, and you know he, he was resistant to anything else but he was like oh okay i heard the first episode because if you're on patreon you get those episodes early mm-hmm. and you get the unedited version and you get to see us chatting and maybe having a sip of scotch or whatever else goes along with the production of mission log and then he saw that he created the meme and it was like now my son's name will be ken norman and then McDonald or or McDaniel or or I, I'm sorry I, I forget his name now but um, yeah it was very sweet and, it was flattering and you know to, yeah. to that point I have to say John that the the response that everyone has given to me and I know that probably sent some messages to you and to Rod everyone in the community has been very very positive and welcoming and for me that's just been absolutely overwhelming in that warm and and inviting way because sometimes it's a little trepidatious for for someone in any position to sit in this chair any podcaster or yeah. any new host and uh, just to hear what the community has to say well but, i mean you're you're putting yourself out there and that that is no small thing and um i mean not to say that you don't have experience with that but anytime you go into anything that is a public venture like this you're putting yourself out there but i'm happy to say that we not only have one of the best audiences in podcasting, uh, one of the nicest audiences, but one of the most thoughtful. And even when they disagree, even when they have comments, they they are well thought out for the most part. <laughs> um, they're they're very well thought out. Uh, they're they're very interesting to read, and uh, there is just no shortage of it. I, I have uh, relished that for the last seven and a half years, and look forward to the the many more that will come uh, in the next several years with you. Well, I'm looking forward to to it all uh, and just being able to engage with the fans. And I know that this is probably going to be the best night for that because the process has been, you know, it's been fantastic. But I know that all of the listeners and the people that tune into Mission Log Live and the people that are awaiting our very first show, you know, they want to get back on track. You know, podcasting for a lot of people is something that kind of anchors their week. They look forward to it very much like they look forward to their own favorite series and yep. I know that I'm, I'm very excited for them to hear our take on Way of the Warrior, which is going to be dropping soon, and having them engage with us because I welcome all conversation. I welcome all points. I, I love being able to just converse, debate, sometimes a little bit more of an aggressive word, but just have that conversation and go back and forth and see how people are feeling. Take the temperature of what's going on with our fan base out there and, and how we're doing. And I hope, I hope that I do as, as, um, as great of a job as, as Ken has done. And uh, I, I want to make sure that I sit in his chair and uh, give the fans the entertainment value that they deserve. Well, hey, I, it, nice of you to say. Great way to look at it. I mean, look, as we've been talking all along in this whole process, uh, will things be different? Yeah. Will things change? Yeah. That's all great. <laughs> that is really something to look forward to. So uh, we're all on this journey together. Hey, uh, I want to jump in here a little bit more with the chat because honestly, there's some great comments happening. Um, uh, first of all, I, I think a lot of people are having fun with your name, first of all. Uh, uh, nothing that you haven't noticed before. Uh, Josh says, on Mission Log, where everybody knows your name. So, so nice. see, yeah. exactly. And uh, uh, now, uh, Dominique, I, I love this, it's Stovacor. Because uh, he's with Stovacor. Stovacor is listening and drinking chilled prune juice. So very Warriors good. drink. A warrior's drink. <laughs> Justin says, Norman wins the night for the Niners baseball shirt alone. So, uh, yeah. All right. Oh, wait. Here, uh, talk to us. So the camera flips over to you. Oh, so, sorry. I'm going to pose. Yeah. You, you, know, you can find everything on Amazon. Amazon is, is the, uh, the galactic... Market of the galaxy. Very true. Yeah. Oh, and Joyce wants to know, Norman, will you be able to come to STLV? I think that is a very strong possibility. <laughs> I would say so probably more than, say, my decision, say, four or five weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, Joyce, uh, stay tuned. Yeah. Oh, wait. Uh, Dave says, how long before John breaks Norman? <laughs> oh, I'm already broken. That's why yeah, I have clearly. this. 
Clearly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you know, you, you do the show, you, you got you to drink. Uh, well, when we have our first caller, uh, we can talk about that with him. John's too. Ferengi energy whip has been tuned to a very concussive level. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> exactly. So all of you who have these great comments and, uh, and questions, uh, please click the link, call the number, do the thing you know what to do. We already have uh, one person standing by. We're going to get to say hello to in a moment here. Uh, but you all know You've all been to the show before, and I know that you would like to say hello to Norman in person, so please do that. Click on the thing, pick up the phone, dial the number. Before we get too much deeper, though, I'd like to talk to you about what's coming up on Mission Log and Mission Log Live. Now, next week, big change for the live show. As you all know that on January 23rd, Picard will premiere on CBS All Access. And depending on where you are in the world, Netflix or Amazon Prime, uh, check your local listings. But that happens on Thursday, January 23rd. Mission Log Live moves to Monday nights. I'm very excited about this. uh, There was a a thing that I remember that was... um, uh, back in the 60s when a show would move to a new night and it was like a very uh, homegrown kind of effort to get the word out. And there's this picture of uh, uh, Robert Vaughn and David McCollum from The Man From U.N.C.L.E. and they're, they're holding their guns and they're in suits, but like they're holding a sign that just says like, Uncle moves to seven o'clock Saturdays or whatever it was. Like I kind of wanted a picture of all of us holding, you know, a cardboard, like a printout or something that said that. But yeah, uh, for the first time now, since we started the show, moving to Monday nights, A, to accommodate some of our uh, guests and guest hosts, but B, most importantly, that is to accommodate the fact that now new Trek night is Thursdays rather than Sundays. Uh, So we wanted to tighten up that gap between the time you watch a new show and the time we get to talk about it here on Mission Log Live. So uh, at the end of the show, if I am able to do this uh, improvised rather than just reading what's in front of me, I will remind you that we are on every Monday night starting next Monday, the 27th, instead of every Tuesday night. Time stays the same, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. And uh, as long as we're talking about Mission Log Live, well... Starting January 27th, when we start our coverage of the 10 weeks of Picard, I am so happy that a friend of the show, friend of mine, friend of Star Trek, actor from Star Trek, Rekha Sharma, will be our guest co-host for the run of Picard. I'm so looking forward to this, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, yeah. I'm a little uh, nervous, actually. Yeah, I've never really been on a live show before. I know I'm jumping ahead with with a celebrity guest star. <laughs> well, I, you, you're going to have your chance because I will kick us off on January 27th. But then the very next week, February 3rd, I will unfortunately be out of town. So episode two of Picard. Look, buddy, it's you and Reka. Ooh, feet to the fire. Jumping <laughs> in the deep end. I expect great things. Oh, so do I. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, as we were saying, the first episode of Mission Log with me and you, that goes out this Thursday, the 23rd, 12 a.m. Pacific, as usual, and then continuing on from there weekly as we get through DS9, you know, with the occasional time off, because we, we got to do that. We've got to refresh and recharge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got a plan right now going through at least the next several weeks uh, to get those shows out. And uh, Norman, also a tradition on Mission Log Live, we have, oh wait, uh, Chris Riker says, can we get a shout out for the cutaway behind you, John? New camera angle, new toys. Yes. So um, Chris, uh, for those of you who have not been here in the Roddenberry recording room here at Roddenberry World Headquarters, uh, we've been doing some remodeling. This actually was my office and recording room. So now, now I've moved down the hall, uh, more the better to store my wine and liquor collection. It was just taking up too much room in here. So uh, we moved me down the hall, and now this is just for recording. The real reason for that is that we're working on more shows. So we needed to have this room more available, which is great. So we moved out some of the starships. Um, we have foamed this wall. We'll be painting the other wall behind the Dusty Abel uh, posters uh, but yes, that cutaway of the uh, 1701D is gorgeous, and, and it is huge, and there's a lot of detail in there. So I'm glad that you noticed that. Uh, anytime you want to come by, you sit in the captain's chair out front in the lobby, and then uh, you can take a gander at that cutaway of the 1701D. 
Um, so thank you for pointing that out, Chris. John, if you ever need yeah. space for those Dusty Abel posters, yes, there's still a space on my wall. They're, oh, that's true, right? Yeah. So just yeah. in case you need to, you need to make loan a me those. Yeah. Okay. You got, you got it, man. Hey, uh, let's talk about our poll question now. Every week we post a poll question. As I was telling Norman, most of the time it's silly nonsense. And I, I think Earl and I take a great deal of pleasure in just coming up with something completely nonsensical. But every now and then we like to tie it into something, particularly if there's a new track. We tie it into something that is relevant to that new track. Last week we did both. Last week, we were talking about Children of Mars, and then there, there's the whole thing with the rogue synth attack on Mars. So we had to ask you, our audience, what is your favorite rogue synth? Is it the 1977 Mini Moog, or was it those things that attacked Mars? Well, 65% of you said the 1977 Mini Moog, 35% of you said those things that attacked Mars. Um, I, I think it's just because, honestly, the Mini Moog is cute. It makes good music, and it's the weapon of choice for much of Stevie Wonder's career. How could you not love that more than a bunch of uh, killer rogue scents that took out Utopia Planitia? I get it. I totally get it. Uh, Norman, why don't you hit us up with this week's poll question? Because, well, it's inspired by your choice. Well, this week's question is, how do you want your Picard straight up? On the rocks, shaken, <laughs> not stead. So there were two questions. There were two options here. You had Canon Heavy or Forge a New Path. Canon Heavy is clocking in at a very respectable 48%. However, Forge a New Path is slightly ticking away at the lead at 52%. So it, it's an interesting kind of dichotomy that we're dealing with here with the fandom of the next generation probably weighing in most heavily because they are kind of like the fandom that's ushering in and supporting this new show. But I think with all of us as fans, we want to see where it's going to go as opposed to how many different either tidbits or nuggets or homages or nostalgic tie-ins to mm -hmm. TNG are going to uh, be laced throughout the series because you don't want to lean on those too heavily in favor of moving forward with new material. And I think that's a, right. it's an interesting balancing act. And I think that our poll shows exactly kind of like an almost even split of how they feel. I, I have an update for you. This just in, I just checked the poll numbers, 49 to 51% now. They're tightening that gap, that already very close gap. So those of you who have not voted, you'll have to go back and make sure you vote. We, we want this to be incredibly accurate. <laughs> by the end of the show or the end of next week, you know, whichever. So um, I, I think we should talk about that in our discussion tonight, Norman, because tonight's show, again, is really, it's about you. It's about our banter. It's about whatever our guests want to talk about. It's really just a, a free form kind of show. But there are uh, bits of Trek news that are on people's mind, not the least of which is the premiere of Picard, what the expectations are, what the anticipation is. Uh, so all of you who have thoughts on that, about uh, adhering to canon or not, uh, forging a new path, maybe some of those unannounced Trek uh, live shows that we got some, uh, uh, at least some hint about from uh, Alex Kurtzman the other day. There's all kinds of stuff. And you can just get to know Norman. We were talking about non-Trek, non-sci-fi favorites before we went on the air. So we could even talk about that too. Mm -hmm. So you know what to do. You click on the Zoom link, you pick up the phone, use the one tap from your smartphone, or you give us a call. 669-900-6833. And you put in the meeting code, uh, Earl will pick up. We won't pick up. Earl will pick up. He'll say hi. He's a very nice person. And then he will patch you in to us. So that's all you have to do. Now, uh, you are following in the footsteps of our first caller tonight. And that is uh, one of our favorites to welcome back to the show whenever it is the Vice Admiral. And the Vice Admiral has been waiting patiently. We, we hate to keep uh, uh, anybody who is higher Starfleet waiting too long. So Vice Admiral, thank you for joining us tonight. Thanks, John. Can you hear me? Yeah, we sure can. Welcome to the show, man. How <laughs> are you? you, Norman? How are you? I'm good, thanks, Vice Admiral. How are you? I am not unwell. Not right. unwell. <laughs> good. That's a double negative, which makes it a positive, right? Yep. Exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> 
It's one of those things. I also mainly say good morning all the time because I like to, you know, it it doesn't matter what time it is because then I only have to remember one greeting and it's, you know, it's economical. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) If I had, if I actually had it memorized, I would probably quote the Gandalf, uh, Bilbo good morning scene from the hobbits. Like, is it a good morning because it's good? Are you good? You know, that kind of perfect one. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, hey, it's good to see. I listened to your uh, introductory episode. I thought it was wonderful. Thank you. Very right. forward to uh, to your input and contributions and part in this all this huge thing. Um, I see you have Babylon Five on the wall. Also excellent. I do. I do indeed. <laughs> One of my favorites as well. We need mm-hmm. to do something about that at some point, but mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, so I don't know if John has prepared you. He did ask you earlier about whether or not you're prepared to go to STLV, but has he fully prepared you for what that will mean? past the time of the show well i have been i mean i was there uh for the 50th anniversary and i think that some people may have remembered me wearing my uh governor donald Corey cosplay did you make our party i know i I don't think you went to barfleet man because that yeah oh there you go here uh talk to us admiral so we can uh i don't know if you can see that very well but that is yeah um oh somebody from uh Somebody from your end of things, let's just put it that way, asked us to uh, throw a bit of a room party, which we did. <laughs> um, it was uh, huge from the perspective of room parties in apparently the area. Uh, we had to build our own bar. Wow. And uh, we, of course, had lots of alcohol. We had a full dance floor. We had a DJ. And a certain Roddenberry may have been there doing a good bit of um, dancing and uh, things with yeah. us. Um, and things <laughs> I, 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 totally above board things, but, um, you know, I don't, I don't have video and I'm sure he's happy about that. Um, <laughs> so I'm, it, it, we ha- we don't do it every year because it's, uh, you know, we're all here in the Midwest around the lakes and it's not really, uh, possible, but it does, you know, we do want to come back out and do another one at some point and, um, hopefully not too distant future so that you can partake and participate. Uh, but hopefully I'll at least get out to uh, STLV again here in the near future, because uh, even if we don't have a bar fleet party going on, we certainly know that there is a bar that uh, Mission Log tends to frequent. Yeah, uh, it, it's a little bit exhausting. I mean, um, in the best possible way. Like uh, STLV is a lot of work during the day. And uh, yes, I fully admit I roll up to the table about 11 o'clock. Um <laughs> Even though, for whatever reason, they keep doing this insane thing. We're like, we're opening the vendor floor at eight or nine. I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what those. That's for the people that are. stayed up all night. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I, I get it. If I'm rolling around from the the previous, I'm from the opposite angle. I get that. Uh, but to to get up in the morning and and be functional and be down there, I don't understand that. Uh, but then when you close up shop. And uh, really, it is like th- that is the other half of the convention is socializing and and uh, whether it's at the Rio or, or elsewhere, it's an absolute blast. And Barfleet threw an absolutely epic party. Like I remember room parties from back in the day when I was going to conventions in mostly Atlanta, like Dixie Track and stuff like that. But th- this was a whole other level. I mean, it, you transformed this suite into a nightclub and it, it was incredible. So well so done. So instead of 10 forward, was it like 10 sideways or? Sometimes. You know? <laughs> and I believe at least yeah. one party has had that name. Uh, so where uh, what, whereabouts in the country are you, Norman? I'm in Southern California. I'm not too far away from John, actually. All right. So you're not going to be wandering into a, a con that has one of our parties either, unfortunately. Oh, no. Unless I can, we can get site-to-site transport or just walk through a, a transporter gate, as we see in Picard. That would be super cool. No, I feel like dying a lot, yes. <laughs> or, or or rejuvenating or yeah, rejuvenating sure, sure, apparently yeah. can do anything yeah. yeah there's a there's a good chance that uh that larry nemechek will be at uh one of the one of our cons here in the near future i know they were talking to him about penguin con so hopefully we'll get larry him out larry? larry's actually a barfleet admiral already so uh nice we gave that we gave him that honor uh, a couple of years ago at sbi so so if you tie one on too hard at one of these parties and you're an admiral does that make you a bad admiral I think we're all bad admirals, really. 
<laughs> Although I'm a vice admiral, so it's built into the title. It's all very hush yeah. It's all very technical. Yeah. <laughs> Larry has certainly taken his uh, his his title um, to heart, and uh, we appreciate that. Well, I mean, I look forward to meeting you. I look forward to meeting as as, as many people as I can because it, it's going to be a completely different dynamic for me coming from the, I guess, the audience's point of view to now, you know, as one of the co-hosts now and, and I guess in some way uh, extensively uh, a representative of the Roddenberry Network, it's going to be neat to, to just be able to talk to fans at, a, at this level and and be able to engage. And I think that's, I think it's fantastic. I just want to be able to just talk. I mean, I think I, I said this on my, uh, my introductory show is that sometimes I think a lot of the conversation is lost in what we do in social media between texting and instant messaging. You don't Absolutely. really get a chance to understand the, the emotional reaction or uh, the intent that people have as they're speaking to you. So when you actually get to shake somebody's hand and kind of see them react to what you're saying and vice versa, you get a, a much deeper connection with, who you're talking to and what you're talking about. And that's that's an art form that I think that is kind of lost in the social space right now. But conventions have always been this great opportunity just to be able to sit down, have a meal, break some bread, and be able to talk to people at a very emotional level and in a very intimate level. And I think that's still important. And I think that needs to be that just needs to be fostered through the, the convention community. And that is part of what Barfleet exists for, is to, to not only, I mean, we have the dance floor, we have the music, but we also try to make sure that people have a wonderful place where they can get to know each other, get, uh, get to share ideas, and um, have more social space mm -hmm. that is, um, uh, I'm not going to, well, louder a little bit, yeah, but <laughs> also friendly. As long so. as nobody's dancing as amazingly, and I say that in the most sarcastic tone, as Gil Gerard was in the pilot episode of Buck Rogers. <laughs> oh, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you taking, are you taking exception you to that? Don't you dare, Norman. Uh, I, he asked for something a little funky, I believe, were his exact words, and he got it, and he mm -hmm. responded appropriately. And so mm -hmm. did Ardala. So I give them credit. <laughs> I, give, yeah. I, give, I give Buck yeah, credit for did. bringing Ardala out on the dance floor. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, Joyce asks if uh, either of us will be at the Nichelle Nichols uh, farewell convention, which I believe is in May. I think mm -hmm. we've got uh, WonderCon right around the corner in April and then the uh, Nichelle convention in May. Um, all I can say is probably uh, we don't have specific plans nailed down for that just yet, uh, but there will be a Roddenberry presence there. I've also been talking to women at Warp about being there in, in some way. Um, so it, it probably won't be, uh, it's a smaller convention. It probably won't be like a table or anything like we would have at Vegas, uh, but there will be some representation from Roddenberry. I imagine I will be there at least one day. And if uh, we're doing a panel of some sort, it, it may be comprised of uh, representatives from Mission Log, Women at War, Daily Star Trek News. Something will be happening. So, uh, mm -hmm. Joyce, if you're going, please, please, please stop by and say hello. Um, and uh, it would be lovely to see you in person. So we'll be there for that. And then uh, WonderCon, have some panel ideas we're kicking around. I know that Larry is doing something there. Um, I'm kicking around something that would be a, a topical discussion tied into DS9. Uh, so I, I don't want to say too much more about that, uh, but something will be happening there. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll try to get the word out for sure. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, Tate says, as long as it isn't season two of Buck Rogers. Yes. <laughs> Correct answer, Tate. So... Yeah. Oh, come I, on. Wait a second. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, hang on. No, wait, you're going to defend season two of Buck Rogers now? Yes, I am. Smirched, getting funky with Gil Gerard and the pilot? It, because A, it has Hawk. Yes. And B, okay. it has it's Barbara true. Luna as Hawk's wife. Oh, my Also God. very true. Oh, also very true. Was. Yes. Oh. And his ship is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Even though that it killed his own wife with the yeah, that talent in his so shoulder. Much, but. Yeah, but I. Yeah, come on now. All right, the no, searcher, wait a I love the searcher. The searcher looks like um, a wannabe Daedalus class. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah it's got, the, it's got <laughs> yeah. the big ball in the front. You know, you've got, uh, it, it is an iconic look. It was completely different than most Buck Rogers ships, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Can, can we talk about the problem, though, of, okay, your name is Hawk, mm -hmm. and your ship looks like a Hawk. I, I have a problem, because that means, like, by that logic, we should be in spaceships that look like a dude. It does look like a, you know, well, a human. Well, 
he he was from monoculture, just like everybody else in science fiction. Got it. Okay, okay. Like I, I even I had a problem with that on Next Gen when the Romulan uh, warbirds like looked like a Roman helmet. I was like, what? That, just come on, come on. Yeah. What are we doing here? Yeah. So yeah. okay. All right. Thanks I'll, for joining so, us at the Buck Rogers podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but let's let's ground that, John. I know you went to the to the premiere for Picard. Norman, did did you yes. have a chance to do that? No, I was unavailable for that. So, oh, I was so, just, so, he, so John can't talk about that then because he knows already. He is in the know. I am. I am in the periphery of being in the know. <laughs> so, what uh, regarding the poll question that you guys have for this week? What do you personally uh, hope? Me. Well, I, I, yeah, yeah, Norman, you answer that first. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I do. I do appreciate the fact that they are trying to break new ground. I think that's probably one of the toughest things to do when you're bringing back a character as iconic as Captain Picard. I mean, in 2009, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to 2009, which was 11 years ago. Is it really? <laughs> oh, hold on a second. Yep. Crack. <laughs> in 2009, one of my best friends, he said, Hey, Norm, we're going to get a posse together and we're going to go see Star Trek 2009. We're going to go in the theaters. We're going to do the midnight show. You're the biggest Star Trek fan we've ever known. You're going to come with us, right? I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. How dare they? How dare they? How dare they replace Captain Kirk? How dare they replace Spock? That's where I was. I will be completely 100% honest. But they said, you know what? We're all going out. We're going to go get drinks. We're going to the 21 and over cinema, which means that they're serving drinks inside the theater. I'm like, okay, I'll go for that. That sounds good. I'll tie one on. I'll watch the movie. As soon as the very first sound effect of the Kelvin was was you know uh, opened up uh, the 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 opening of the movie, mm-hmm. I was sold instantly, mm. instantly. And my my perspective on all of these things is: let's see what happens. Let's just sit down, let it unfold, see what happens, make that decision as as we absorb the information, absorb the material. And what I do want to see is I want to see them take risks. I want to see them push the envelope. Everyone says that they want to see Picard back. They want to see the next generation brought into this new space. So why go back to the old space? Mm-hmm. Look exactly. For, look forward, not look backward. Not saying that you can't, you can't respect what came before. I think that would be problematic in in the fandom because mm-hmm. the fans want to see certain touchbacks, certain callbacks. But I think you actually have to push the needle in order to one gain a new audience and two respect the wishes of the audience that has built this, this franchise. And if they find that balancing act, I think that's fantastic. And I'm a huge fan of uh, Santiago, um, Santiago Cabrera from BBC's Musketeers. Hmm. I have a little bit of a man crush on him, and that's okay. <laughs> but I want to see new actors. I want to see not just Patrick Stewart do his thing as Picard. I want to see all these new actors do their thing and bring their take on what's going on in this this new adventure that we're going to have. Uh, and, and of course, do I want to see number one, you know, we saw him in the previews, you know, we saw Jonathan Frakes and I think that it's great to see all of these characters that we love, but I don't want them to be used at the sake of developing other characters. I don't want their time to supplement the time that can be used in order to create a new story. Right. They shouldn't be driving this story. They should be supplemental to it. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect. Uh, Mission Logs number one fan, uh, Meredith Stokes, chiming in to say, I actually didn't get into Star Trek until I saw the 2009 movie. Then I went and watched the original series, and I love hearing stories like that. Yeah, we hear that a lot, right? That, yeah. that even, yeah. though, even though we don't necessarily think of it as our Star Trek, if we're, if we're old mm-hmm. enough, like we are, John. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, speak for yourself. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it brought in so many new fans, and mm-hmm. yeah. That is really, really great. It made, you know, new generation, no pun intended. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, if I can jump in here, what I love about different points where people can insert themselves into this fandom, it's very much like music, right? So my, Rush is my favorite band of all time. And uh, R.I.P. Neil Perry. Because, yes. you know, he, he just passed. But when someone picks up, say, the, the most like say Vapor Trails or Clockwork uh, Angels. Those mm. are the two latest albums and Rush has been around for, you know, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I like this. I want to go back to what came before. So they'll go all <laughs> the way back to, you know, Farewell to Kings or Hemispheres or Signals. 
2112 <laughs> moving pictures and they'll they'll find a completely new dynamic of this overall tapestry of their fandom yep and that only gives them more not less it gives them more so whatever they whatever picard will give us if they don't necessarily appreciate that they might go back into all of the library of the original star trek next generation deep space nine voyager enterprise you know and discovery and they might find something there that will be meaningful to them and make their life better mm -hmm. why would anyone have an issue with that is beyond me it makes exactly. somebody's life better and that's that's what it's about right and there are so many ways to enter and so many ways to enjoy the franchise i mean mm -hmm. There's no reason for anybody to, to hate on or gatekeep anybody about any of it. Yes. Here, here. Uh, so I, I'll be nice and vague about Picard. <laughs> Please. <laughs> because I, I, I'll, re, I'll reiterate what I said last week, which is that for people who are just sort of testing the waters with it, I really think you have to watch the first three completely. You know, it's a little bit of a bummer that you'll have to watch it uh, as it's rolled out week to week, but those three really belong together because they do tell a story and then they land you in a place you go like, oh, okay, that part came together. Now we go on to this part. Um, so I hope that people will not purely judge it on one or two or three individually. There's a lot of exposition that has to get out. There's a lot of catching up characters and introduction of characters that has to get out. Um, that said, uh, Rhea, I'm not spoiling anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to spoil anything at all. Um, I will say that uh, I enjoyed it a lot. There are many, many things about this that I enjoyed a lot. And from what I can tell, and I think they did this in a smart way, it's not about saying, how does this fit into canon? How do we continue this story thread? It, it's an approach that says, who is this character? Where is he now? And where do we want to see him go? And from that, you then get to build a story around it. And I think it's the right way to go because A, you've got a deep and complex character like Picard. You have an amazing actor in Patrick Stewart and you really just want to be able to let him do his thing. And, and fortunately in those first three episodes, there are a lot of moments to just let him do his thing. Um, they take their time with it, and I really appreciate that. So instead of uh, just sort of deciding, well, let, let's contrive, let's contrive things to fit into Star Trek canon. No, 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 no. Let let's figure out who we're talking about first and why we're talking about them. Then let the story take care of itself. That's the feeling that I got from the first three. So I'm a lot less concerned about canon, but I'm really pleased when the little moments pop up where you go like, oh, of course, because that happened 20 years ago. Oh, and of course, because there's this moment that ties into that. It doesn't need to hit you over the head, uh, over the head with it. Either of you guys watch uh, Mandalorian? Oh, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Wonderful show. And uh, probably my current favorite sci-fi show remains to be seen what we get out of the card, <laughs> right? Um there's something about that show that I really love where you're telling an individual story with a lot of precision and a lot of focus and just letting his arc play out. Mm -hmm. What's his mission? How does it change? How is he affected by that? And all the little things that are the Star Wars world around him are just there because they're there, not because right. they're getting forced in. I mm -hmm. love the idea that uh, the, the first time we see stormtroopers, you just, you immediately put it together. Like you don't need to stop and have somebody explain, well, uh, back when the second Death Star blew up and then Darth Vader got defeated, well, these guys didn't have anywhere to go. They needed to look for a job. <laughs> and like, no, no, no. You infer all of that from the minute you see him. Uh, and and even beat up little, armor and... Uh, right, yeah. right, right. And they're just kind of hanging out like they've got nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. And then... Um, when you have uh, the uh, the little guy in front of Java, Sice Noodles, yeah. you know, um, uh, that was his name, right? Salacious no. Crumb. Salacious yeah. Crumb. Yes, Salacious there you Crumb. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I almost cried when I saw that. <laughs> but see, but here's the thing. It's one shot just passing by, mm -hmm. okay? And you just go like, oh, those things exist in that world. And guess what? Some people eat them. 
You don't need to stop. You don't need to make a thing of it. You don't need to, you know, have anybody horrified by it. Just go like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's the thing here too. And I mm-hmm. love it when you can slip in these little connections like that. Um, and uh, to give you another Star Wars example, like at Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland, they do a great job of creating a Star Wars world without being the Star Wars world. Mm-hmm. Um, you go into the cantina, and it's all these little elements. So you go, of course, these all exist in Star Wars. And there's an aquarium up top, or a terrarium, rather, with the little, uh, the little amphibious frog-like beastie that's sitting in front of Jabba's palace. You just see him in a shot, open his mouth, the tongue goes out, and he grabs a, a thing and eats it. Well, like, this is one of those in a terrarium at the bar. And it's little things like that that I love where you don't have to get the entire backstory. We don't have to dedicate a novel to it. We, you know, we don't have to spend huge amounts of airtime to figure out that thing. Mm-hmm. Just So, so you're mm-hmm. saying that there's plenty of homage without it venturing into nostalgia. It, well, and, and without it turning into fan service or, or just deciding like, well, we need to tell this because, okay, I guess that's the one story in Star Trek to tell over and over again, so we'll just keep it. No, 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 no. No, just just let the character do the work. The story will follow. It, it, it will work itself out instead of being super high concept to start. Let's just focus on the character. And that's really what I got out of uh, the first three of Picard. I will reserve... Any uh, criticism, detailed, <laughs> stylistic uh, analysis until after we've all seen it. Sure. And that's wise. So how was that? It was my, my little, my, my little uh, monologue there without actually spoiling anything to tell you the things that I did. Like uh, John Cooley says, welcome to Mando Log, a Lucasfilm podcast. <laughs> we missed Buck Rogers podcast. That's going to happen well, one day. That, uh, that would be fine. That would be fine. Yeah. yeah, John. The one thing I will say is that you know the way that you uh, are avoiding spoilers, and yet the look on your face when you talk about what you've seen <laughs> it gives me great hope <laughs> for the first three episodes, at least. Well, I mean, here's the question: It's always like, what do you want out of it? And mm-hmm. I, a lot of that was satisfied for me because what I did not want out of it was just something that felt like a rehash of a TNG story. What I did want out of it was depth in the Picard character. Because you and probably a lot of our other listeners know that from doing Mission Log, we really tried to point out and deal with these points where Picard's character completely changed. Right. Um, Some of it just to dramatic effect and some of it just completely senseless you know so i wanted to Mm -hmm. see some depth and gravitas to the character which of course patrick stewart will always deliver uh so i i definitely got that out of it tell you that right now the thing is you you hit it right on the head there john i think that it probably would have been difficult for an actor with with lesser ability than sir patrick stewart but because he knows this character so well and because he knows where he wants to bring this character, it's my impression and obviously my assumption that he wants to evolve the character past where people last saw him in, I would believe it would be Nemesis. Yeah, yeah. And the Picard then and the Picard you see now, put it this way, none of us are the same person that we were in the 20-year span, 20-year span, Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 20, or how, 20, yeah, 20 or how many years it was? Twenty years so. plus mm-hmm. that that we were from that point to this point, and there are things that change us, our outlook, or there are things that haunt us, yeah. and that is all probably going to come into some type of play as we explore the depth of this new incarnation of Captain Picard. He's not the same Captain Picard that we knew. And I don't think that he needs to return to that because there are seven seasons and four movies of that character. And I think that's fantastic. And if you return to that, you're not bringing the audience anything new and you're certainly not bringing the audience what what Patrick Stewart is capable of now in terms of his acting talent and his seasoning and also his age because he's not going to do the the, the best of both worlds action Picard or the chain of command action Picard that we saw. He's a different guy. 
mm-hmm. physically too. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that's going to come into play. Well, and, and I think you have to address that in a way. I mean, aging has to be a theme here, and I think you have to address that in a way that's got a little more nuance than they did say with Kirk, Spock, McCoy. Like they they did that. And in many cases, they did that very well. Kirk doesn't age. He can jump 30 feet to save a president from a sniper rifle. <laughs> Come on now. Let's be real. Let's be real. Yeah. It could have well. just been low gravity in the... In the uh, in yeah, the that was it. That was it. Kid <laughs> springboard. It was a springboard. Yeah, yeah. Smaller moon. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Vice Admiral, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a really nice conversation. You, of course, you're always welcome to call back into the show. Many great conversations coming up as we cover Picard. So I look forward to it. Really and as always, it. thanks for having me on. And Norman, good to meet you. I'm sure we'll talk more in the uh, not too distant future. Live long and prosper, Admiral. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. <laughs> Hey, uh, Norman, we've arrived at the uh, the period of the show that is just full of gross commercialism. So uh, if I can ask you, please, to uh, give a shout out to the Roddenberry Podcast Network, I would be so appreciative. Well, if you'd like to follow us on the Roddenberry Podcast Network, you can follow us on the following shows. Mission Log, Priority One Podcast. Join them for their live show Tuesday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. That is a new time. For them. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, Women at Warp, The Trek Files, Daily Star Trek News, and the newest member of the troop, Shabam! 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 <laughs> you can find all of these shows at podcast.roddenberry.com. Well done. Well done. Like a professional. The professional that you are. So, by the way, during all of that conversation, as we were talking about like other shows covering, you know, Mandalorian, et cetera, uh, of course, what came up was the love boat. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I did do one love boat episode, Lido Deck, a love boat podcast with the guys from Trek Geeks. And uh, I regret that only one of those has happened. So far, I believe that show is on for seven seasons. Uh, oh, perfect! Yeah, Norman doing your Isaac impression. That oh, oh, people aren't going to see it. We need oh, to I'm sorry, it. I, I, I got to talk about it. So because in that particular scene, Isaac didn't talk. He just <laughs> yes. Thank you, Ted Lang. Perfect. Well done. Uh, so yeah, one day, you know, after we're done with uh, Kolchak and uh, people are mentioning other shows that we have to cover, you know, Love Boat is just rife for discussion. I think people would be shocked if they went back and listened to that episode of Lido Deck, a Love Boat uh, podcast that we did. Exactly how much we were able to mine out of that uh, premiere episode. I think they would be shocked. There was a lot best, to discuss. Who would look best in a Starfleet uniform? Fred Grandy or hmm. Bernie Capel? Ooh, uh, I think Bernie, I think Capel, Bernie Capel has the legs. Yeah, yeah, he has the legs. Mm-hmm. I would buy him as a Starfleet doctor before I would buy Fred Grandy as really anything other than like, you know, a goofy ensign somewhere on the lower decks. <laughs> Truly. You yeah. know, if they actually wanted to do the love boat now, I would probably hire out Stephen Merchant to do oh. Doc. Because oh, he and yeah. Bernie Capel very much look the same. Yeah. He is goofy looking, though. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, look, look, a, a guy like uh, uh, Gavin McLeod as Meryl Steubing, man has a lot of gravitas. I think he was the perfect choice for that, just like a Patrick Stewart is the perfect choice for uh, Jean-Luc Picard. I mean, the, it, it's, you know, this is one and the same. They, they've got uh, some dignity. Uh, they, they've got some intelligence and, uh, and wisdom behind them. So uh, really could almost just be the same guy. Okay, so the listeners out there and the talented people that do like all of the posters and all of the graphics and all your Photoshop stuff, if you, I don't see a stubing like Picard type logo or a stooping, <laughs> uh, you know, collage of characters like they just released with Picard with the with the mm. really nice collage of the cast. Yeah, you are not doing the internet service, my friends. Yeah, at all. That's very true. Make it happen. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> hey, um, just a, a couple of uh, newsy and then and then other just uh, random stuff before we uh, we wrap. I've got about ten minutes left in our show tonight. Of course, if people want to call in, they can just click on the Zoom link or they can call us at six six nine nine hundred six eight three three and type in the meeting code, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone and join us very quickly that way. We like to make it easy for you. So how 
how easy it was for the vice admiral to call in, you can do the same thing. And you can talk to me and Norman and Earl. You can talk about Buck Rogers. You can talk about Love Boat. Or we can bring it back to Star Trek. So uh, Alex Kurtzman let it slip, of course, (laughs) that there are two as yet unannounced Trek live shows in development. So let's think about it. We, We have... Discovery Season 3 coming. We have Picard Season 1 coming. We have Lower Decks Season 1 coming. We have the Nickelodeon uh, animated show that is in development in pre-production right now. Uh, There is a Section 31 live-action show that is in development. Um, There will be a Season 2 of Picard. There will probably be, I would assume, a Season 4 of Discovery. Who knows? Um, What else possibly in the live action front, could they do here, Norman? What would you want to see? That's a really good question. Actually, I, I just wanted to counter that with a question, and it's something that maybe that the listeners can chime in on a little bit later, and please you know, send me PMs or emails to that effect. But is the shotgun approach the best approach when it comes to trying to solidify where Star Trek is now as a brand? Because, sure, you can appeal to a variety of different audiences and you want to drive those marketing and advertising dollars. I completely get that. I mean, we're talking about the business side of what CBS is doing to try and capture and cast a wide net of Star Trek fans. But is that really the best approach moving forward? Because sometimes there's going to be a tipping point where that dilution of so many shows and so many aspects of the fandom and, and certain populations of fans aren't going to be able to either one afford all of the different streaming venues that they need to, to get all of these shows Two, be able to keep, <laughs> to keep lock and step with every single series and every single show in perpetuity to be the fans, the, you know, we want to see everything. We want to absorb everything. We want to watch everything and talk about everything. But is that sustainable? Is that something that is going to either help or hurt Star Trek in the future? Yeah. I, I worry about that. I mean, I, like there's a, a good news, bad news thing here. The good news is that, um, as I always like to point out, you know, the bar of success is so much lower now because of streaming platforms that you can actually keep a show going uh, and have it be a success. You know, uh, Enterprise was pulled off the air with its 3.4 million viewers. Meanwhile, uh, Battlestar Galactica was doing the same, if not better, and it was a runaway success on the Sci-Fi channel because, again, the bar of success is very different. Bar of success on the CBS broadcast is something very different from the bar of success on streaming platforms. So... It seems like the, the good news here is that they figured out a way to make high-budget, high-concept science fiction actually work where they can keep making more. Instead of, you go back to the Battlestar Galactica problem, 1978, where it's just too expensive to keep on ABC because you couldn't justify the numbers coming yeah. in, right? Yeah. So at least for right now, since 2017 when Discovery premiered, the model works. Now, the downside, I think, is what you're saying, which is, do you reach a point where you've got six series on the air and and not at the same time, but sort of overlapping gently? Maybe you got a few weeks off here, a few weeks off there. You let a show run 10 to 13 weeks for its season. You have a little bit of time off and then you let another one come out. Mm -hmm. I I do think there's the risk for some confusion and dilution in the marketplace, but I really hope that what happens is that, you know, I figure if Picard runs three seasons, that's 30 episodes. That is literally one season of TOS worth of, of story. And hopefully what you've done is you've told the one story or a couple of stories that you want to tell and you wrapped it up, and you gave it a nice, satisfying send-off. I, I, don't think, I don't think things need to run in perpetuity to be good, you right. know? Just like, let it tell its story, be done. Um, and, and I hope that it's not so confusing that people aren't able to find the track that is right for them. You That's know? what I'm concerned with, you know? Yeah. It, 
because there are so many shows that are coming up, will fans be able to find the insertion point where they need to find and then be able to, to settle into that series that means the most to them without trying to get to every single series just to be part of the greater conversation of fandom. Uh, just um, one of the last things I wanted to say regarding this, and I'm going to quote Captain Kirk, <laughs> too much of anything, even love, is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> well done. Very well done. I, I know that we're waiting here for a second. We got Ron uh, hanging on. We're going to bring him here into the uh, into the broadcast with us. So, Ron, uh, I think you were patiently standing by and talking to Earl so we can get you into the green room here and chat. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that what happens is that it's a little bit of a taste. And and we all like that taste enough that that we're intrigued to carry on, but then we're satisfied when those things come to a natural end. I do think that when uh, you had the overlap of next-gen DS9 Voyager Enterprise, mm -hmm. it was too much too soon, but only because then the productions didn't get a break. And that you're talking about seven years plus seven years plus seven years plus four years. And I know that uh, Brandon Braga and Rick Berman had said what we wanted to do was between Voyager and Enterprise, take a year off. Right. And take two years <laughs> off. And do what you actually get to do now on a show, which is plot the season. Let's figure out what the whole arc is going to be and where we're going to go instead of just saying, nope, if you don't do it, somebody else will. And I, I think that really hurt that show. Right yeah. into production. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ron is here with us. So uh, let's say hello to Ron. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you guys doing? Uh, hey, Ron. How are you? Doing host, very well. Uh, I want to welcome our new host to the show. Thank you so much. Excellent. Yes. Uh, I have one burning question. Uh, how old does a human in uh, Picard's uh, life uh, span live these days? Maybe he's just in a middle age crisis? <laughs> well, let's see. I, I think for some reason, and maybe it's from the Starfleet medical uh, manual, the the medical handbook that came out in the 70s. I think I remember them saying that humans live to like 120 or that there was the average lifespan and then Vulcans were like 200 or 220. So I may, in my head canon, it may be solely based on that book. And I mm -hmm. think I read somewhere that Picard now is supposed to be like around 94. That, that was that's, the same boy made it to 120 something. He was, that's mm -hmm. when he visited the uh, uh, TNG. I'm sorry, when who? What? McCoy. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was well over 120 by then. Well, you yeah. know, it, it very well may be possible that, you know, the uh, the technology that, I mean, I'm sure that Picard's artificial heart has probably been given a tune right. Sure. You know, so he's he's working on a completely different uh, cardiovascular level than most people are. Exactly. Yeah. He doesn't have to worry about any heart attacks. Unless he, you know, gets stabbed at the chest again. But hey, you know, Anything's possible just in Picard. Just needs another battery <laughs> once in a while. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> well, it's I mean, a heart we, and a pacemaker all in one. Right. Well, if we look at it uh, this way, you know, uh, Patrick Stewart is 79 years old, and he is in exceptional health for a 79-year-old uh, today, by today's standards. He's in great shape. Mm -hmm. So we project this a few hundred years into the future. He's, he's you know, Picard is pushing 100 years old or whatever, and he's in great shape. I've for heard him John, being that age. I have heard that red wine is a tonic against aging. I'm <laughs> certain of that. I am absolutely, yeah. I, I think you're onto something there. So Chateau Picard, <laughs> Chateau I mean, Picard? it's not like he's running short of that, any of those vintages. So, yeah, he's, oh, he's saving uh, a lot of lives through his, uh, through his vineyard. <laughs> yeah, especially his own. Yeah. yeah, David here in the chat says, John, it's the wine. Hey, and you're, there you're you absolutely right. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anything else on your mind? We got just uh, 60 seconds to go. Anything else on your mind tonight, Ron? Uh, that was about it. I just uh, I wanted to show off my uh, uh, QR code uh, board uh, uh, T-shirt, which uh, basically uh, allows uh, you to uh, get uh, their greeting to uh, to the Federation. Oh, Thank you no for way. infecting everybody's phones right now. 
<laughs> I was about to ask you about that, but that was a working QR code. So everybody who catches the video later, uh, we do have Ron here on camera, so you can use your phone and uh, and get assimilated. So scan uh, is futile. That yeah. is if I can get all the wrinkles out of it. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. So you're well, saying hey, if you can't scan it properly, it's going to take you to a website you probably aren't prepared for. Right. Yeah, exactly. it doesn't actually take you to a website. It just actually brings out the you know uh, the uh, words. That's all it says. It's not actually a link to a website. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, uh, Ron, thank you so much for calling in tonight. Really appreciate it. We are out of time. And as Chris Riker okay. says here in the chat, yeah, the show goes by way too quickly. You're absolutely right. And yet here we are. So, Norman, thank you for joining me for the first time on Mission mm -hmm. Log Live. I look forward to doing this many times more with you as well. My pleasure. And as always, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the incomparable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Work, Priority One, The Trek Files, your daily Star Trek news, and Shaban. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next Monday night and every subsequent Monday night. Cheers, everybody. Live long and prosper. Podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.